You're listening to the Fusion Podcast, chatting about students finding hope in Jesus and home in the local church. Welcome to the Fusion Podcast. My name is Miriam and with me are my two pals. You, what's your name? Catherine O'Shea. And this guy? I'm Luke Smith. Hello. Hello there. Hello there, my friends. Um, We are on episode four of season three. We've been exploring uh, what does it look like for the church to engage with students in missional small groups. So gathering not just in the Sunday setting, but midweek to help us become more like Jesus and help other people meet Jesus in the process. You'll hear behind me... Some, um, some actually quite nice ambient kind of background noise. What's mm. that, Luke? It's a hubbub. That's what it is. Okay, it's, more specifically? It's a, a city hubbub. Um, <laughs> the, the noise of a sort of a throng. Right. There was an R in there. It's the noise <laughs> of probably about there we go. 75 really... tourists. Oh, somebody just shouted. We're basically in York and it's really hot today and uh, so we've kept the windows open whilst we podcast. So that's what you can hear. If we didn't keep the windows open, it wouldn't be great in here, would it? It would get really smelly. Yeah, it would be bad. He's got spicy beef jerky in the house and to be honest, I can smell it. Every time we record the podcast, I think Luke farts continuously and then we come back in the room and it just stinks. We've got no evidence as to whether that is true or not. Because, like, mice wee all the time, don't they? Like, continuously. Mice? Like, yeah, mice wee 100% of the time. What? They do. No, they don't. No, they, they don't. do. They That's do. fake news. No, There's not fake news. That's I've held it out before it's not weed on me. No. Cheers. Proof. It's like slightly spraying the whole time. What are you talking because about? Because a kestrel... <laughs> Here we go. Can see in UV, right? So they fly. You know when you see a kestrel by the side of a dual carriageway, and it's like flap, 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 yes. flap. It's looking down at a mouse, but it tracks it because it can see the continual spray no. path. No, 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 it's true. No, right? Can somebody Google that? I'm going to Google that. Alice is on Every, it. Do Alice is on it. Editor yeah. Alice is mice on it. Mice wee. Or when I, I'm going to I'm going to edit it to maybe 80 percent of the time. Here. They wee loads of the time. They wee just while walking you, around. You're going to edit it. He's gradually and climbing down. And I guarantee they've weed while they're on your hands. Oh, don't say that. Because if I was a mouse, I'd wee while we're on your hands. Right. Why wouldn't you do that? um, The first result that came up is, sorry, but your house is soaked in mouse urine. Oh, Oh. you've just found out some terrible news. you won't be surprised by this news, but your house is soaked in mouse urine. Yeah, sorry about that. Sorry, guys. I don't really know why we're talking about that. I can't (laughs) believe that's where this podcast started. Mm. Anyway, I was saying that we're talking about small groups... And today we're talking about uh, why they grow, how they grow, and what to do about the fact that they grow. However... <laughs> but before we get into that... Yeah, go on. And I know it, like, it probably kiboshes you a bit, because you're really trying... Um, we're talking about real growth, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Something grew way out of hand yesterday. Okay, okay go on. So, something that happened yesterday... It escalated to, fast, It did it? escalate incredibly fast. Okay, so where were you yesterday? And it involves a student worker, so it's not exactly off-topic. No. I, I was in the York office, okay? Okay. Um, I was getting a load of work done. I was chatting to people on the phone. Well done. I was emailing. That's the sort of thing. Out of, out of nowhere, I get added by Jake Ball. Oh, yeah. Jake Ball, yeah. yeah. He's, a, he's, he's a good lad. Worker. He's a great guy. Jesus Fellowship, all that. And he adds me yeah. to a WhatsApp group called Red EP One, and I thought I just I was in the middle of something. I saw it come up on the phone. I thought, what on earth is that? Yeah, I don't right. know what that is. What is I'll that? have a look at it later. Can't look at it now. Jake Ball adds me to this group, Red EP One. 
Eventually I look at it, and basically lo- he's added loads of people, and they've all started leaving. It's just like, this person's left, this That's person's so left, this person's well, left. Yeah, classic. He, sa- he then says, sorry guys, my huge mistake, please delete the group. Then right. someone says, is this a social experiment to see how many people will stay on the group? Um, then like 50 people leave. He, he says, no, it's my mistake, apologies, massive error, you've got to just exit the group. Loads of people keep leaving. I'm leaving. How many people, people were in this group? It, it turns happen? out. It turns out. Right. The story I've now got is he has meant he's recording an EP with his mate, the little record. Yeah. And he tried to set up a group for him and his mate and potentially one or two others, and accidentally added everyone in his phone. Oh, oh no. Everyone. I don't know how you do that, but he's added everyone. <laughs> um, then all of a sudden, at a key moment. He leaves the group himself. Oh, and no. I got made automatically the admin. Look, now you are now the admin. I'm, show, I'm showing him the thing. Like, I'm thinking, this is, bol- this is absolutely bonkers. Um, I get made the admin. So someone says, I'm staying. Then someone else is like this taking is a mick out of him too. Um, then then yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm sticking around in this group. This because so this wrong. might be just brilliant. And it's your um, group. What now. if this guy's is the group that will change the world? Imagine that. If that it comes and from you're this one. the admin. And I'm the admin. Accident. At this stage, I actually didn't realise I was the admin. Someone then says, Luke Smith, you're now the admin. Can you add Jake back in? Because he's left and he can't get back in. But now he needs to get back in because. Right. He'd accidentally added somebody who was under 18, who was just in his phone. Oh, no. And that person's mum was on the phone to him saying, you've just given my daughter's details out to absolutely hundreds oh, of people. Oh, wait, this is a mess of a story. Yeah. I didn't have a clue this is so, where this is going. So he's like on the phone to me going, Luke, I'm really sorry, but you're the admin. Can you add me back in? So I try, and it says, cannot add participant. Because he's already left. He's already left. I can't yeah. add him back in. Oh, so, my... Then a load of other people are saying, I might just mute the notifications for a year. This could be a great group. The last one out of the group, please close the door. Someone says, I'm harvesting and selling all these numbers to a cold calling insurance company. <laughs> this is terrible because there's also a teenager yeah, on yeah. that group. Yeah. This is um, terrible. So then someone else says, uh, GDPR breach, I'm suing. Um, and then it continues. And genuinely, there are hundreds and hundreds of people in this group, right? So wow. then... Um, some, and then someone says, and then there were only 100. There's only 100 people oh, now left in this whoa. group. That's so I say, oh, look, I've tried to nice. add him. I can't add him back in. <laughs> You're not then, making friends with then, him. Yeah. Great, then Jake says, no, look, you've got to please. Can I, I was on full day, right? I have a lot yeah. on. Yeah, he goes, shoot. please, can you manually remove everyone in the group? That's the only You oh, can't delete a WhatsApp group. Once it's, wow. once it's created, it's created. You can't delete it. That's an So error. he says, can you manually go through and just remove each participant? I'm like, yeah, okay, I will do oh, that. bless you, man. So um, I say, right, guys, I'm really sorry. Jake has dropped the ball on this, pun intended. Clever. I'm going to need to delete you all from the group. Then their responses are brilliant. And one says, that's a shame. Oh, it's too late. I've sold all the numbers anyway. <laughs> Miss you already. I feel like you're killing all of us one by one. <laughs> Quick, get your last rights in. <laughs> and so then, and then someone's like, no, I need to know what Red EP1 is. This is such a wasted promotion. Someone else says, I'm melting. <laughs> I know, right? Someone goes, I hate group chats, but this funny. is epic. Someone else says, I'm counting down the second. It's all going to be over soon. Someone says, don't delete. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, someone else says, I'm changing my name to begin with Z, so I'll last longer. Um, someone goes, oh, so long, Johnny. He was such a nice guy. <laughs> Only 25 people left. 
And then it says, our time has come, and that was the last person. And now, that is a group of which I'm the only member. Forever. Forever. Because it won't be deleted. And I I can't leave it. So that's it. Really? I think I'm stuck in it. Anyway, I quite like looking back through it, so I don't really want to leave. But... I said to Jake, it's sorted, huh? mate, it's all sorted, um, everyone has now left, yeah. but you owe me big time. Yeah. The next thing I know, oh, no. I'm, I was on another phone call, and we get a, f- a phone call from reception downstairs, and Alice is working in the office next to me, she answers the reception phone, and she's like, oh, there's a couple of pizzas that have arrived for you, for some reason. Good lad. And Jake had ordered us a couple Good of dominoes to say Good sorry about that. So anyway, but we'd already eaten our lunch. So we've got them today. So long you story short, we that. get to eat pizza after we this podcast thanks to Jake's catastrophic error on WhatsApp. Jake, you're a total hero. I think it's the funniest thing that's ever happened. That is really I mean, funny. I just, that is so good. It certainly was the funniest thing that happened yesterday. Correct. Talking about <laughs> real growth, that really did get out of hand. It did. Much it grew. like a missional small yes, group. like wildfire. They call me the Segway. That is actually what most people call you. Thank you. Miriam Segway Swaffield. Swaffield. <laughs> Swaffield. Um, let's have a little bit of a discussion about um, the fact that if small groups are alive and sharing Jesus and encountering more of the love of God and inviting people to come to know him, maybe for the first time, there is a distinct possibility, hope and prayer, that small groups will grow and no longer actually be small groups and therefore need to multiply. Mm. How do we start a small group with a culture that expects, as this is alive and following Jesus, it will multiply and grow? What are some of your thoughts around the real growth element of small groups? Well, I guess it's from day one going in, um, creating a culture of invitation. So you're saying to everyone in the group, you know, oh, this is a place where you can invite your friends into. We're not just creating some sort of social group or even a a small group where we just sit here for a year and like it's just us and we're just going to stay like this but you're saying please invite your friends invite your friends that don't know Jesus and then that's preparing them for the next step which would be and it will get too big because if you all invite one more person that's two groups then isn't it yeah and I think it's something to do with the connection between mission and discipleship and the fact that they're inextricably linked you can't separate mission and from discipleship and vice versa yeah so i think if you talk about that as a group from the start that helps because sometimes people have this mindset that like a small group is the place for discipleship to happen and mission happens elsewhere and then if somebody if you did a mission and somebody became a christian then they might then as a christian come to a bible study or a small group Mm -hmm. and i just think that's just totally not how it works I think it's much more how Jesus did things and how it happens in the New Testament. And just, in fact, the whole story of God is we learn as we go. Um, And people encounter God while the people of God are outworking their own relationship with him, uh, on their journey with him. So I think if we say we are here for discipleship as a group because we want to learn more about being disciples and following Jesus. But at the same time, part of that is sharing it with other people because that's what he came to do as well. And so then we are not being a group and we're not doing discipleship if we're not also being missional and wanting to extend that invitation to other people. And inevitably, that means we've got to grow. So I think like from day one, talking about mission and discipleship dynamic helps. I guess a lot of um, people get worried that like they're not going to be able to talk about the real stuff or go deep into theology or the Bible 
if there's a non-Christian in the room. Mm. Why do you think that is? I think is it because we we always feel like we need to water down if someone walks in that isn't a Christian? Because I hear that a lot. Mm. They're like, we won't be able to talk about the stuff we need to talk about if a non-Christian's in the room. Yeah, because you don't want to feel like you're excluding somebody because it's almost talking above their heads you know if there's a bit of a mutual understanding of we read the bible or i grew up in church or you know the story of and then somebody in the room you know an international student where english isn't their first language this would also be true or uh, somebody that's never been to church before but came along with a housemate or maybe it's in their house that small group you can feel like you're excluding them mm. even though you are hungry to go yeah but i've I'd really want to understand what that bit means. And does anyone, has anyone Googled what that means in the Greek? Because I feel like that's a weird thing for Jesus to say or, you know. Mm. Um, I, I understand that feeling because I'm always, I feel super sensitive, even like in church context, if I know there's someone in the room that doesn't know Jesus, yeah. that they never feel like they're on the outside or that they are somehow excluded by language or topic or something. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I've, I experienced that feeling of not wanting to alienate. Um, but I think it's a good challenge because actually when you hear people's testimonies of how they've come to know Jesus, it isn't usually th- through a watered-down experience. Of, yeah. you know, yeah, it's sure. usually through, through some sort of power experience, isn't it? There was either a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit, like maybe healing or something, or a word of knowledge, or... Perhaps there was just the boldness of someone being really willing to share their faith overtly, which is equally quite a powerful experience. And it's it's usually where somebody's absolutely gone for it, or there's been quite a full-on moment yeah. that's been an eye-opener. Yeah. So I kind of think we really should be totally open to share everything that we are wanting to, wanting to talk about as Christians. Well, because that's the real community they'd be coming into anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And obviously Jesus didn't water down his messages. If anything, when Jesus spoke to the crowd, of which there were people not following him, he spoke of the kingdom and often confused them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, whereas when he whispered the secrets of what he meant, that was to people that followed him already, the disciples. Mm. So he confused the crowd with parables and analogies and big statements. Yeah, it's true. Which is a great challenge because why don't simplify intrigue, maybe. And I guess a bit of confusion does leave a student thinking, well, I'm going to look into that, and I'm, go- I'm gonna- well, what does that mean? Can I- let me go and go yeah. away and research that, and or to ask someone else in the group, oh, can I go for coffee and talk to you about that? Yeah. What do you mean when you said that? Um, yeah, but but I do also think, yeah, maybe that's what you're just getting onto. Like the the maybe there's a bit more of an importance than if you've got people who aren't Christians and you are going for it, then uh, with, with the difficult conversations or the full-on ones or when you're not trying to water it down, it like highlights the need. There is sometimes an appropriate time to go, look, I really want to get into the bottom of this issue. Can you yeah. Can you just help me chat this through in a way that's not going to confuse somebody else or yeah. be unhelpful to them? So then the need for like discipleship relationships, accountable things where we really push into stuff is more increased that's right and that's why you need leaders in small groups because as much as we'd love to say oh communities will just organically form and then can organically multiply the truth is the, the reason we do small group training is that we do think a bit like we talked about um, in a couple of previous episodes we do create structures to help support the life and part of that structure is having a couple of leaders that are responsible for maybe picking up outside the small group when a deeper topic's been uncovered that couldn't get into full detail in that session or in the case of multiplication, if a group's growing, somebody's got to have eyes to see, hold on, this is going to get too big for my student house. 
who do I see in the group who's showing some initiative around commitment and love of people and love of community mm. who could potentially be a future small group leader? Mm. So then when you notice that person and you think they've got potential, they're not quite ready yet, then what's the next step in like preparing them to then take on their own group? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I know from like when we were raising small group leaders as students with students... The current leaders, you're saying right from the very start, from day one of leading a small group, by the way, who are you apprenticing? Like, who are you raising up? We'd often have, um, in the context I kind of grew up in, in student work, we'd have a, a leader and an assistant leader. So we'd have someone a little bit more experienced and trained apprenticing uh, someone alongside them and a partnership. As they would apprentice that leader, both of the leaders are looking at the group saying, who, who's already the next one? And then they would probably begin outside of the small group to grab a drink with them, go for a walk with them on campus, get a bit more of their story, find out a bit more how they're doing, how, like their experiences of following Jesus, their struggles and their joys, asking kind of, again, good discipleship questions. And, and we're really passionate about that, about real conversation. And, you know, leaders can't just be the extrovert in the room. They can't be the popular one. Mm. They can't just be, they can't even be the one that happens to be there every week. Now, they don't have to be um, the loudest. They don't have to be the most talented but we're trying to notice, like, who is it that, yes, has got commitment, but also has a sense of, like, they're hungry for Jesus. They're moving yeah. in the right direction towards him. And they're living it out. They're living it and they're loving people really well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, those kind of early day conversations, they happen from the start, really, to begin to basically know, know people better. And I guess that can be quite challenging because we're always drawn to the extrovert and the like the good yeah. communicator, the one that can just mm. chat for days. Mm. That seems like an easy leader. I'm like, oh, great. They, they're yes. happy to talk to a group. Whereas the quieter introvert in the corner who hasn't really said much, that actually has been sharing Jesus with her friends mm. most days and inviting people over in smaller contexts has already started her own little small group anyway outside yeah. of yours. Yeah. You don't even know what's going on. Yeah, it's harder to spot those ones. I think sometimes a perspective on who could be a great next leader as well, if you're multiplying a group, is um, who would step up the most, like who would change most helpfully nice. if you asked them to lead. Nice so there's, Because maybe those some of those louder characters or something, you're kind of thinking, if we ask you to lead it probably wouldn't do that much different to what you're already doing because you're already very active and pitch in and, you know, in terms yeah, of contributing really vocally true. or something. And it might make you a bit more maybe stressed or something, having to do some of the organisational stuff. So potentially we're not going to get better from you if you lead. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we ask this person to lead, they we may get much better content from them and it really draws them out of their shell. So if you're really like, oh, I'm leading point. here, they're never going to over-talk. That's not going to be their weakness. So mm. it might we might just get better stuff from them if they were leading and it potentially would be better up other things like the organising but obviously that's a massive generalisation but anyway thinking what, who, who are we going to get best from is a good perspective and we've put some some kind of structural ideas around this I mean it's based on kind of biblical models that we've seen Jesus practice and how he coached his disciples to become leaders in their own right not just to default to because Jesus is in the room I'll wait for Jesus to do it mm-hmm. So in our small group's big mission like handbook, just to help train churches in multiplying their little missional small groups of students, there's a structure that uh, you'll have probably heard it. We've nicked it and Jesus did it. And um, we kind of explain a way in which a small group leader could apprentice another small group leader 
into leading their own small group as the groups grow. So, Catherine, do you want to quickly kind of give us the headlines and unpack what is that structure? Yeah, so it's a square with four sides, as most squares have. (laughs) Um, The first side is I do you watch, then we go to I do you help, you do I help, you do I watch. So that is a lot of words and a lot of do's and a lot of helps and watching. But basically what it means is I do something, I want you to watch. I've noticed you as a leader, watch what I'm doing so that next time when I take you around the square, you can help out. I'm going to do the main thing, but you can help me do it. And when you've done a really good job of that, which you will, um, you do it and I can help you do it. So instead of me taking a lead, you're going to take a lead, but I'm going to assist you so you're not totally on your own. And then the last stage is you do it totally by yourself and I watch you and then we feed back um, and I can reflect some of the things that you've done that um, you might need help with. And so that's just a really helpful square to take students around. It's an easy way to raise leaders and yeah. do it in a way that's not just chucking them in the deep end. And Absolutely. Them Absolutely. And you can start that process of developing leaders within a current small group. So you don't have to say you're going to be a small group leader. You could just say, I want you to notice how I'm going to lead this Bible study or this time of worship as part of our small community. And then next time, can you help me lead the Bible study? Like unpack with some questions and, and a creative way of exploring scripture. And then, actually, why don't you ever go leading it? I'll, I'll help you. Is there a little bit you want me to do? And then, actually, you led that brilliantly on your own this time. Um, this is some feedback. You can do it with every little element of small groups. You've raised the leader there, even if they're not a full-blown, now I've multiplied my group. You know, you can start that now, like next week, with somebody else. Yeah, and you don't even need to tell them you're taking them around a structure or totally. a square We're going to do the square together. You're on weird. the third side. Square dancing, though. Hey, square dancing, Miriam. Yes, it's a wonderful <laughs> thing. Thanks for bringing me in on that. I I'd feel love... like I grew what? up in with church barn dances. Is that? Does anyone else remember a good old barn dance? I went to my first barn dance at a church at our church's fortieth birthday. What is it with Christians? Kayleys and barn yeah. dances. We seem to love I, that. I've church. not really done the the barn, barn dance. You weren't invited to the parties, were you? No, I think that might be this. Sorry, mate. That could have been the thing. It's it's just honestly not something I resonate with. You you're just looking at going. Isn't that everyone's experience? Well, I just and thought I'm like, the church totally was known honest, for no. wholesome dancing. I feel uh, like I know what a Kaylee is. Kayleys and barn dances. No, uh, not really. Something I've gone to lots of. Okay, well, great Christian experiences from me then. Good times. <laughs> um, now, I do want to talk a little bit about the growing pains of oh, yeah. multiplication because uh, well, I mean, we've touched upon it in other episodes, but one of the criticisms of multiplication is that um, you don't want things to change when you've finally got a good community mm-hmm. and you're making friends and you're actually really enjoying it and why would you break that up mm. and surely that is going to be detrimental to our discipleship to lose my pals and yeah. you know there's a fair bit of resistance if you say to somebody this small group has started small we think it's going to get bigger and therefore it will change mm. what do you do about the growing pains thing yeah and gary best referred to that in the last podcast didn't he as being one of the great challenges in episode two um yeah about oh in episode two yeah two podcasts ago um, so, and it's true. It is, it is a difficult thing, I guess. Yeah, we've we've had some experience of helping people think this through. Um, I guess thinking of some. It, it's often um, a certain type of character, isn't it? That that maybe finds relationships harder to build, and probably somebody who doesn't love change. That is going to be affected more extremely mm-hmm. by multiplication of a group 
Um, and I realise I'd be at the other end of that spectrum in that I really like change. I'm up for new stuff and change. If something shifts... If anything, it's a relief. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind it at all. So I like multiplying a group because I get to meet loads of new people and it's all different. So that's good in my world and I realise it isn't in everyone's. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think that that means, oh, well, let's not multiply groups with people like that in it then. Um, because the fact is, and I guess this is probably something we've said a number of times, in, if, um, if we hadn't multiplied a group in the past, then you wouldn't be in this group. You're only yes. in this group because a previous group multiplied and created yes. space for somebody like you to come in, and we're really delighted that that happened. Yeah. So I'm really sorry that you're struggling with the idea of us multiplying again at some point in the future, but... It needs to happen because there are people who we don't yet know that maybe haven't yet come to know Jesus, but they are going to, and they need to be in a good community, and there isn't room. Yeah. So that's one of the things. There's there's probably three things I reckon are good to um, talk about with these people. Firstly, the group is not about you, right? So I would say to someone who was... Well, I'd say to everybody. Yeah, maybe to... From the start. Yeah, I wouldn't just say to somebody who's struggling with it. Yeah, but from the start saying, look, this group is never about you. Now, it's going to be partly about you, but it's and it's hopefully helpful to you, but it doesn't exist primarily for you. For just your benefit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. By nature of it being a group, it's going to exist at least for more than you. So if Good. you're finding something difficult, it's not just all about you. But the I guess what I'm really getting at with the group is not all about you is it exists for its non-members because it's a missional small group because we want people to come to know Jesus and join in with his big story um, and in order for that to happen we need to multiply the group isn't about you does that make sense number one it, it does I can imagine there'll be a bit of pushback just because our culture does yeah. say it's about you university is a time for you to invest in your gifts your talents yeah. your career your calling your life experiences so I think it's just being aware that might not go down well to yeah. a 19 year old yeah but I also think for students that are like studying universities intense courses like I'm thinking about a drama school context they can tend to see church as a relief from that and a break from that and they might invite their friends along but inviting their friends to a small group is really hard because they're like this is my one time this, this is my, my one break that's actually really true people do yeah. say that a lot yeah particularly or if their housemates are quite hard work around their yeah. faith this is their safe space. What, what do we do about that? Uh, well, that's fair. That's a fair comment. But I and I think the responsibility is on those particular people to make sure they do have space in their lives that are really good for them. To make sure that they've got friendships that are good for them as well as friendships where they're good for other people and a mixture of both. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think the small group is ever designed to be. The, play, the place of nourishment for that person, for them to talk about them. Otherwise, I mean, you know, you, you, most of us have been in small groups where you've got somebody who's particularly self-absorbed yeah. and kind of does almost feel like this group is for, here for my benefit. Yes. And, they're, and they're exhausted and it just doesn't work. So if you're thinking about group dynamics, sure. thinking that that's not working. Um, sure. So the second thing... Uh, is hard is not necessarily bad. I actually think Good this word. is a great lesson for anyone in life it's a great lesson for students in general just because something is hard doesn't mean it's bad that's so good in fact things that are hard are almost all of the time are good um 
I think that's a countercultural word. I think I think most people operate with the assumption that even if they've never really thought about it, things are meant to be comfortable, things are meant to be easy, things are meant to go well. Yeah, so any type of discomfort is totally negative. Yeah. And will harm them rather than help them. Yeah. Um whereas if and if you talk to people from much older generations, they'll tell you about the hardship they've gone through. It's usually the most growing time of their life, the, right. the most fulfilling, the time when they had to pull together the most, they had the best community sense. Um, I once talked to an older couple who now have quite a lot of money. They were referring to a time in which they had hardly any money and they were talking about how good it was. Yeah, right. They, good. they really struggled and like were on a, almost a bean diet. You know, they had hardly anything at all. Mm. Um, I don't mean like a vegan diet. <laughs> Um, but they were, a bean diet. <laughs> I was in like a can of baked beans a day. That was pretty much all they could have. And so, uh, but they almost referred to it as like the best time of their life yeah. relationally. Wow. Anyway, I'm just saying just because it's hard doesn't mean it's bad. The same is true a good word. of multiplying a group. So if you have somebody in a group saying, the thought of multiplying this group seems to me to be really hard. Like it's, yeah. I don't really like the idea of it. Mm. I'd encourage you to say, yeah. Like, don't reject that. No, I think um, you might find it hard. Yeah, you might struggle, actually. And I'd imagine it wouldn't be something you'd be really comfortable with. Um, and so I agree. And leave it to them to see... And yeah, so, so what, basically? You wouldn't, you'd never say that to them, like, so what? But I mean, so, so what if that's yeah, hard? Live in it, yeah. yeah. Live through it. So does that mean it's bad? Because it could be hard, but potentially the best thing for you and the group. Yeah, right. Anyway, I'll leave. Yeah, any that's thoughts great. on that? No, that's great. And it, and it says something about the richness of the group if it would be hard to leave. And you can't. You want yeah, your yeah. small group to be hard to multiply in some way. Unmissable. Ways, because it's been unmissable. Unleavable. <laughs> and yet, you must. Yeah. And the third one? The third one is good conflict is absolutely essential to multiplying a group. So true. Good conflict is essential to any team and any relationship actually any marriage any family any any friendship uh, but it's also really crucial to a multiplying in a healthy group um, because you're going to have the disagreements on when stuff should happen on who should lead on how it should be led yeah. on how that process should happen when it you know do we wait until the next academic term if it's a student group and um, all those things people can have different opinions on mm. if it is healthy they will be free to vocalize them but you don't all have to agree. Particularly if you've got a leader that is comfortable and secure in allowing that to happen, but equally taking a lead in the decision. So yeah, okay, I think so ha- good conflict is essential. Good conflict is essential, but it's also not easy. And no. and particularly students, I, I didn't have a I didn't have a lot of examples of healthy conflict for me to go on when I yeah. became a student leader and had to begin that journey myself. Like, are there any tips you can give? Because some student leaders are probably listening to this right now, thinking. I, I know there's that person in the group and they're not happy with me because I've talked about the group changing. Mm. Um, like, what do I do? Like, where would I start with doing healthy conflict? Yeah. Well, do you, did you want to... Well, yeah, I love agree. A bit of I, no, conflict. I hate conflict. And I think <laughs> that we have this table in the Small Group's Big Mission book that sort of goes through the stages of small groups and one of them is storming and whenever I read that column about conflict and like having to confront things I it, it I just find it really Did you hard. do a bit of sick in your mouth? Yeah a little bit of sick in my mouth and then wow. I swallow it and wow think, you actually vomit. Oh, 
that a small group would have to mm. storm. I just mm. want everything to sort of happen naturally and people want to go and start their own group to have challenging conversations. Yeah. As a student, I think it's quite hard with your friends. Yeah, right, because they're often your peers. They are just your mates. Yeah. So I think uh, saying we need to have an honest conversation because um, if we are... I, th- I think speaking of it like this by saying if we are a functioning group, we're going to disagree. Yeah. So if we're healthy, which I hope we are, and if that is true, you probably will disagree with me and I'm okay with that. So if you're a leader, that, that's a good place to start, I think, to say I'd kind of almost welcome you. You know, I'm not saying, come on, just disagree with me for the sake of it, but if we are well, if we're working well, you're going to disagree with me on some stuff. And I'm going to have blind spots as a leader, so yeah. I need you as a group to be able to say this stuff because I might be totally oblivious to stuff so a good conflict is not just about letting people vocalise stuff and then you then just decide what you want it to do it, you've got to be willing to change your mind as a leader yeah. and go oh right I'd actually not seen that or hadn't understood that so now okay I might need to walk that back let's talk again you might need to be able to say I don't know the answer to that you might need to learn how to say good point I need to think about that a bit more it's a new one on, on me. Um, but equally, allowing things to just be there as attention and say, thanks for sharing that. I appreciate that probably wasn't easy for you to say that you found that frustrating or that you're not looking forward to this. I don't really have a comeback, but I'm just really glad that you said it. Yeah. And just let it be there. Yeah. Because yeah, sometimes yeah. people, even vocalising the thing themselves, releases a load of tension in them and they realise, oh, I don't necessarily totally think that. But I did feel I needed to say it. It needs to be heard, yeah. Yeah. That's really good. So. And we've definitely had some really tough moments. Um, you know, like I remember one time having to do uh, some really healthy conflict, but hard, hard conflict as a student with another leader because... Um, we had a group with a funny situation where um, there was someone of a different generation to students in the group because they were retired and so they had the same they had the same availability as students in some ways mm-hmm. and um, we obviously one of the major reasons why Fusion wants students to find hope in Jesus and home in the local church is because of the intergenerational aspect of the family of God so we love generations mixing yeah. mentoring one another learning from one another and being this kingdom family but the truth is we do still really promote student-led and student-specific small groups, not only because they're often only there for six to eight months of the year, also because students go deep, fast, quicker because mm. of the intensity of their life stage, but also because of the sharpening aspect and the viral nature of how student groups can multiply. And so in this particular group situation, having somebody decades and decades older than the student leaders what looked like a blessing actually became a real burden for those leaders because they found themselves trying to lead somebody with quite a lot of needs who wasn't hugely open to the small group not being for their benefit. They wanted basically all the young people's energy and time mm. rather than to play a grandparent. That's yeah. hard. That's really hard. Right. And that was, that was a situation where we actually, as senior leaders, we stepped into helping the student leaders with that dynamic and, and had to have a really... Awkward. Awkward, intense meeting in which we said to this particular person, we love that you're in the church family, 
but being part of a, a student small group that felt unable to multiply because of the demands of this person and their them needing to help them in every way, they felt unable to multiply or do mission. And so in the end, we actually had to, to place this person in a different group of a more similar generation with better boundaries and capacity to, to handle that well. And the students automatically got more vision, multiplied and were able to... They basically started moving quite rapidly but it involved having to actually ask somebody to step out of a student small group that wasn't for them, but they really felt like it was for them. That was tough. Wow. Yeah. Not always easy, team. That's what I'm telling you. Yeah, I would have hated that conversation. Almost as hard as keeping your phone on silent during a podcast, isn't it? Wow, he's just outed our producer. Alice Psychhouse-Tar, who... on Do Not Disturb, but apparently... I can't believe it. That doesn't take... That doesn't mean that when you download an app, it doesn't do that little ding. Oh, it dinged. Do Not Disturb... Right. ...includes dinging. She's blaming the tools? She's blaming... I'm blaming blaming the operator. I think you should email Apple. I think I'll do that She's not taking... Responsibility. So she's email out the at Apple. Subject: Do not disturb. Ding problem. <laughs> mean what you say. Do at not disturb. At him. Even with ding. Yeah. Um, Donate to the pod. We've got some positive. St- <laughs> we've got some positive stories about multiplying, uh, rather than just let's talk about hard, healthy conflict as part of it. We've got some cool stories of this thing yeah. kind of going viral. Um, Luke, do you want to share? about some of our pals yeah one of my favourite students in the whole wide world is Hugh Pomeroy what a legend I love Hugh I do he's brilliant (laughs) Um, I love Hugh I love Hugh I love Hugh too Hugh is um, I've described him as uh, fantastically posh and I've described him as surprisingly socialist yeah. Um, you wouldn't imagine it. <laughs> you wouldn't. You'd, you'd stereotype him and you'd think he's obviously right-wing Tory. He obviously is. Oh, here we go. But that, that, you'd be wrong to do that. I'm telling you, no, that's not correct. Don't stereotype okay, people. Okay, I'll stop. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Mary directed it at me, but I don't know I don't know why I did that, sorry. Anyway, that's who he is, yeah, and he's absolutely amazing. So in his first... This story is beautifully simple in a sense because in his first year... Um, in, in his first year, he came to our church... Uh, and then uh, in his second year, his friend Ellie, he invited along to church. It was actually when he was doing a little short talk um, and she came on to sort of support him. She quite enjoyed it. She thought she might come again. Um, and she did. And he then was baptised. Hugh was. Nice. Um, and she was there for that. And then Ellie thought, I want to get baptised because I'm really experiencing um, a whole faith journey, meeting Jesus, experiencing the Holy Spirit. She gave her life to Jesus. She was baptised and she brought her housemate along who was called Ryan. He tried church. Yeah, totally not Christian background. And then Ryan uh, also gave his life to Jesus. That was actually on the student weekend away. And then he was baptised as well. So that's all within the space of two years, a year and a half probably, just so good to see students inviting their mates in a very normal way to come along and try church. And when they did, the students went, ah, oh, I really enjoyed it. For various reasons in the 12 of your bits of research yeah. that people appreciate, you know, the 12 thingies. Um, <laughs> 12 bits of research. Your, your 12, we did a whole podcast no, no, no. that and you still doesn't know what it was. Your 12 was. things about stuff that happened with Christians. Thanks, mate. So, <laughs> so but seriously, you know, they'd like appreciated this the Sunday talk they like yes, the community right. they like the worship they experience someone praying for them they, all of these things were factors in them coming to faith 
um, which is just brilliant. So I love that, Hugh, Ellie and Ryan. And you've got to have room in your small groups for Hugh, Ellie and Ryan to find a, a community and to invite their friends. And that's the issue that we get if small groups don't have a vision from the start of this thing will inevitably grow. Because otherwise, how would, how would there be room for Ellie if you're looking around your small group going, there's already 12 people, which isn't a small group, yeah. that's a big group. Yeah. We don't have any more chairs. There's not even room for the people that are there. Already, I cannot go one week and I won't really be missed. You then start to not invite out of capacity. And even like psychologically, you just look and think mm. there's no space. Yeah. Whereas if there's a group of six, you go, oh, yeah, we should. All my housemates should at least eat with us because I'm hosting it in my house this week. Yeah. Where's room? You know, so we, if you want stories of people coming to faith, where do you think they're going to go? How do you think they're going to meet community unless you've got a vision for more small groups? Mm. I guess a good question is what number do you think people should multiply at? When should oh, that's they a good question. multiply? Should we all say a number on three and okay. see whether it's the same? Yes, I've got a definite number in my head. I've got a number. Okay, I've got a number two. One, two, three, eight. Ten. Uh, you didn't say <laughs> that. That was work. I, I mouthed it. Why did, it. Why did you mouth it? I went eight, but because I was watching oh. Catherine, I then went eight to... Well, because I said ten. <laughs> no, because I was going to say... Yeah. So you sort of changed. Yeah, so I you began... Just, so you mouthed eight to... <laughs> it's going to be between eight and ten, because if you multiplied eight and you two, four... You should have done nine. You should have done really nine. That's really small. No, but even numbers are helpful. So I'm thinking, oh, maybe I should say But you've say gone eight, ten. that's... That's low for that's the point at which you should multiply. Well, I think eight's the point where you are thinking we definitely you hit capacity. We're going to multiply, the and then ten is the max, max, max. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten is like why? Good. Why haven't we already done it? We right, that's it. I think it. at eight you need uh, to start the process, but then when you multiply, you already need to invite because four's too small. I don't have ten chairs. Ah, oh, mate. I don't know either actually. Yeah. Do you need to go and get, like, a couple more chairs? I've got loads of chairs. No, because I'm going to multiply my small group. Come on now. (laughs) Keep it small. Keep it small. Um, What does the Bible say about this stuff? Well, I think in... (laughs) This drop. At church, that's that's how I'm going to... On a Sunday, that's how I'm going to interview the next person who's going to speak. I'm just going to be like, what does the Bible say about this stuff? And then sit down. Lovely. That's what I'm going to do. You're such a good leader. Um, Over to you. Well, I guess Acts gives us a pretty good example of small groups of people becoming not so small and then multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. Um, So in Acts 2.42, we see just this amazing growth. It says that like the Lord is adding to their number daily and all they're doing is they're devoting themselves um, to learning about God, to the Bible. They're devoting themselves to each other, to loving each other. They break bread together, they eat together, um, and they sell everything they have to support one another. Anyone that's in need, they they provide for. Um, and after this, people are added. People keep getting added. So we can assume that from this, of course, they would have had to have raised leaders very quickly because yeah. they're not going to have hundreds and thousands of people in one person's home that just wouldn't have been possible so they must have had to have raised leaders and it would have been in a very simple way um very quickly so they couldn't have created some sort of leader step where they have to jump through hoops to then be a small group leader they would have just been immersed in this community just knowing how to love others um yeah and they must um, be learning as they're going because they're just going aren't they that's just And then, of course, you do it in your house. You don't just go to the other person's house. As soon as you've been there for a bit and then there's a new person, you're not the new person anymore. So then you can lead it and you can take some of the new people with you 
and then they're not new anymore so then they can take it to their home and take other people with them and just happens naturally like that you do wonder whether it's chicken or egg like is it that they multiplied small groups so that everyone hosted on their street or as people were added to their number they had to multiply or as they multiplied out people were added you kind of think in the end this must all just get this blur of people coming to faith people being invited and people hosting well I love it totally possible with students and I guess it's not allowing the new person to be new forever I know that when I was a student and I came to a midweek group for the first time ever and I just become a Christian maybe or like the week before that the Wednesday before that so that was in small group and was new for that first week and then new people came along the next week so then I wasn't new and right. I was explaining something to them because they'd never been before so then they yeah they treated me like a leader so I was ready to to lead by like month one or something so just good. yeah it happens quickly acts two everyone let's do it let's again do it um I want to land this podcast with probably one of my favourite features of season three. Mm. We call it Stories from the Steam Room. Catherine, mm. could you make a kind of noise or jingle well, to accompany that? Steamy. Yeah. No, actually, so I was, I was going to ask um, Alice, Psych House, I was going to ask whether she can... Um, edit in a sort of sound effect over the top of when I tell this story. Oh, that's a good idea. Because this is a story from when I go to the steam room at the gym, and this is a, this is something that is not helpful to you. If you're listening, it's not going to help you. It's not going to encourage Tune you to be of any benefit, right? We'll just finish on this. But it's a story from the steam room from a guy called Mick, who must be in his 80s, probably mid-80s. Um, and we've got one on each podcast. But I wonder if you could get a sound effect and put in the steam. That Let's see if you can manage it. Anyway, possible. if you're listening, I hope you enjoy it. Okay, what's the story today, Luke? Okay, so I got chatting to Mick the other day. I saw it. I was in the steam room. I was like, he's not in. He's not in. Oh, and literally came in Yes. And while I was already sat there. That's the one. And I was already a bit too hot, a bit ready to leave. But then he's coming in and I thought, yes. I had, thankfully, <laughs> didn't, didn't vocalise. That'd be odd, wouldn't it? If when he walked in, I went, yes. <laughs> so I kept it internal. But that's what I was thinking. Anyway, I asked him... Um, I said, Mick, have you, uh, have you been a member here long at this gym? He says, oh, well, yeah, um, I'll, get, I'll just get in character and just, just, I'll stay in it. Right? Oh, yeah, funny you should, you should say, actually. I mean, I don't want to take up too much of your time. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've always played football, to be honest, for most of my life. I played football. And then uh, when I retired, I got into golf and uh, played that for a bit. But Carpel let me down, you know, Carpel went. Uh, Carpel, <laughs> so, um I did actually try badminton. Then he pauses it and he says, what a game. <laughs> badminton, what a game. <laughs> anyway, um, but then uh, I couldn't keep that up because of the knees. And then wife said, do you fancy visiting that gym that's just opened? So I didn't even know it was there. So we tried. I thought, wow, I like it here. It's a good gym. We joined and I come every day. But then one day, I must have been retired about five years at this stage. One day... My car broke down. Now, remember from previous podcasts, right? There's, there's now 39 cars. Of course. Right? Anyway, he's got a thing about cars. My car broke down. And um, I'd, I called out, hey, hey, you know, mechanic comes out, can you come and sort us? He said, yeah, I'll come to you, but it's going to take till midday. And I always go to the gym first, first thing. So he said, it's going to take till midday. So I thought, fair enough. I made myself a coffee. I sat down on the sofa and put the telly on. And suddenly I had a revelation. I thought, this is what most retired people do every day. They just sit and watch telly. 
And I thought, there's more to life than this. Come I've got to go to the gym. Preach. I've got to get get active. And he said, that was, I've never missed a day ever since. I get to the gym every day. So that was wow. the story from the Life lessons from Mick. Wow. I hope that's encouraging. I obviously know it, it won't really be. But there we are. That In finishes ways, the podcast. The steam room is your small group. And it finishes this series, doesn't it? Oh, it well, we're going to do a special bonus episode, though, aren't we? Oh, yeah, there's a bonus one. But, but it's still... Is that like series no, I think four, it needs to just be, one episode? I think special. It's, it's a special end of series. Okay. End of season three special, okay. for sure. Okay. Anyway, um, say goodbye in a language that's not your own. Catherine. Adios. Must you quiet Au revoir. Ciao. I'm made up of Far Eastern languages. <laughs>